one other kind of really, really important announcement, which <clears throat> I don't know how much it'll come as a surprise or not because we've been talking about it over the last number of weeks. But um, as you know, as over the last couple of years, we felt God take us on a journey. We uh, we used the phrase a lot that we've been following the cloud taken from the children of Israel and how they followed the presence of God, a cloud by day and a fire by night. And it's felt like God has never allowed us at this date anyway to get obsessed in any way with kind of buildings and um, structures. But he certainly wanted us to um, knit our hearts together as a people and lay really strong foundations as a community for what the Holy Spirit wants us to do and how he wants to lead us. And uh, as you know, a year ago, um, we were um, became aware that we're probably our time was up here in the High Street Mile, and um, we were kind of getting ready for a move, weren't we? And then um, the week before we were supposed to move, we got wind that we were going to be able to stay, and uh, God has allowed us to do that. And we've been blessed to spend another twelve months here and um, get the other unit and you know expand a little bit, which has been wonderful. Um, but confirmation has come that we now are definitely moving out. And um, that definite date is um, the uh, 29th of March is going to be our last Sunday here. So um, it's come around pretty quick in the end. Um, so there you go. Uh, so the two bits of detail that are really important, we actually have to evacuate. So we only got this information about a week and a half ago. We have to evacuate the Woodhouse Street building where some of our kids' um, stuff and all was happening. We have to evacuate it next Sunday, so the 2nd of March. So we can't use that building anymore. But we have, for the for the remainder of the month, secured some units in the mile for us to do uh, kids' work and stuff there. Um, we'll be able to continue meeting here in the main hall until Sunday the 29th of March. Um, and that will be our last Sunday here. And we're obviously very thankful to the mile and the owners for their um, openness to us. They've been very kind and uh, blessed us a lot. And I think we've been a blessing um, to them and to this place. And so we've been working really hard to find a permanent home for Emmanuel, put it down in the background for, for weeks and months. Must want to just really want to honor and commend Chris's role in all of that, putting a lot of work into just um, having conversations, scouting out buildings, talking to our board of directors, and um, him and Warwick and a few of our other guys drawing up different plans and stuff. Um, and so at this particular point, because they're going to bulldoze this place in a few weeks, we don't think that the mall is a viable option in the short term anywhere for our uh, location here. So we, we've looked at a number of buildings, and <clears throat> we are in, I would say, advanced talks about a couple of those venues, um, one or two in particular, we're in extremely advanced talks in. I hope you'll appreciate the fact that we can't really say any more than that at this particular point because there's still negotiations to be done and to be had. And if we kind of like said something today, the way the, 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 the jungle drums work, you know, um, and Chinese whispers work, so it'll become something else potentially by the by next week. So we just uh, want to have a couple of sensitive conversations with some of the owners, respect the owners of some of those buildings, and uh, we'll be doing that over the next week or so, and already those have, those have started. In the interim, we, um, we have secured the town hall um, <clears throat> for us to go to on the Sunday after we finish here. Um, so... Um, you know, that's where we feel it will be the best place for us in the short term. If something else comes up, we'll be open to that. But that's what feels like the right thing to do at the moment. Um, it's got all the rooms we need. 
It's got enough space for us in it. It's not the most ideal building in the world, but it's for the short term and hey-ho, it's somewhere to go, somewhere to worship Jesus in. It's in the town that we think God's called us to see a change and transformation in. It's going to be warm. <laughs> you know, you're going to have tea and coffee where your kids are going to be in the same building. And um, and, uh, and and they've, they've been pretty favorable to us. So um, just so you know that there's somewhere to go. Okay, there's somewhere to go, and uh, we feel like the Lord is on that. And so um, once the details of the building project become more and more clear, we've uh, some meetings to plan and think and dream together that we'd love you all to be involved in. But in the meantime, we just love you to pray. Pray for wisdom that God leads us. He has led us safe this far, and he will lead us on. Um, let us not get over-opinionated necessarily about buildings and structures and let's continue to focus on being the people that follow the cloud, the people that gather around the presence of Jesus wherever we go. Yeah, Let's be that kind of a people and uh, and let's continue to lean into the Lord together because I've no doubt, I feel an expectation and an excitement in my heart. And back, back at the start of the year through January, I'm reading the Gospel of John um, loads of times this year and in John chapter 14, I felt the Lord actually speak to me, as did the rest of the leadership team, as does some of our board of directors, as, as we've made, tried to make um, and discern the Lord together. And one of, one of the things that I found really interesting was in John chapter 14, I never noticed it before, Jesus does that whole narrative around the Holy Spirit's going to come, but he starts at, let not your hearts be troubled. I'm going to go, but I'm going to go to prepare a place for you, yeah? And um, I know it's obviously speaking about the afterlife and stuff as well, but we really do feel that Jesus is going ahead to prepare a place for us. And he does this whole narrative with the disciples. And in the last little line, at the very end, Jesus says to the disciples, come now, let us leave. And uh, as I read that, I felt like it was, as much as I really love being here, I felt like the Holy Spirit say, now's the time, come now. Let us leave. Why? Because Jesus has gone to prepare a place for you. And Jesus, if you read that passage, he prepares mansions. He prepares the best. He prepares a good place for us. And so um, we just wanted to let you know where we're at, ask you to pray pray for us and pray together on the journey. And over the next couple of weeks, we'll, um, we'll unpack more details. Amen. Would you stand with me? Can I pray for that? Can we just pray for us together? If you're a visitor with us this morning and we just kind of like um, thrown that out there, hopefully you'll understand. That's a bit of a family announcement and um, we, um, we wanted you just to be aware. So Lord, um, I just thank you even as we've worshipped you this morning. I just thank you that you hold us. You hold us, Father. You hold us in your arms. And I just want to ask, oh God, that in these moments and in the days ahead, Lord, as individuals and as a church, we just know that we're being held by a good Father. We thank you for the journey of faith, God. We thank you that you don't allow us to stay in the same place all the time. We thank you for the journey of the known to the unknown. And so, Lord, in the midst of our the disruption that this causes, our comfort, we just say, be it unto us, Lord, according to your word. Lead us by your spirit, we pray. We thank you that your presence 
is our one pursuit. And so, Lord, we only want to go where you're going. And we say that together as a church family for your glory. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Look to the person beside you. Tell them, here's a really good prophetic word for them personally and for us together. Okay? It's going to be okay. Say it with a bit of conviction there. All right. Um, it's great to have Mike with us. Um, Mike was here before when we were facing that way. Um, and uh, I think it was a baptism that morning. It's been great to have him. Mike, if you don't know, is um, just a brilliant friend, first and foremost, a friend of mine for a number of years now. And um, it's been great just to grow in friendship with him. He's also the leader of a great church um, of which um, Mark and Andy and Ali are from in, in Margate, down Ramsgate in, um, in England. A wonderful church, quite similar to our own. Doing, um, love Jesus, love the pursuit of his presence, and um, doing some of the most wonderful community engagement stuff in that area with all sorts of favorite from the local councils and authorities and it's been it's been wonderful to see how God has used them he's also helping lead well he is the leader of 24-7 prayer these days as well which is obviously kind of part of our DNA part of who we are and so it's family when Mike is here and speaking to us and so we want to welcome him as such can we give him a round of applause as he comes and um, speaks to us this morning Thank you, Al. It's so good to be back here. And on, oh, that's a heavy lectern. Blimey. Uh, there we go. I feel, I feel really short next to this. <laughs> I feel like I need a box to stand on. Um, look at the size of that. What are you doing to me? I'd love to tiptoe to read my Bible. Um, it's so good to be here, honestly. And, um, and as Al said, like, it's, it's family. And um, this morning, the church that I lead with a team are praying, worshipping, seeking God just as you are. And it's kind of interesting and challenging to think that all over the world, at different time zones, you're part of something where there are communities literally seeking and praying and learning from the Lord today. And in that world of uh, being part of Emmanuel and being part of 24-7 prayer, I just want you to know that um, you guys are an incredible influence and encouragement to so many communities around the world. And you might not think that because you don't get to hear those conversations and see those things, but genuinely you are bragged on, you're spoken about, you're thought of fondly from, from sunny Margate to the townships of Manenberg to the Midwest deserts of Kansas City where there's not an awful lot there, to be honest, other than barbecue. And, um, and then actually to know that your story helps influence other people's dreams and ambitions and just listening to Al now and um, and talking to Chris you know it's an encouraging time for you and let's be honest change can be complex you're like you know what does it look like but nothing ever stays the same ever look at the person that you've known for a while that's around you just look at them and imagine the first time you met them they looked younger better looking and everything changes so we, it's okay. Change is fine. I want to take you through um, very quickly um, a passage in the Bible. I want, to, I want us to go through um, a story in Acts 3. We're going to talk about the moment where Peter prays for the beggar at the beautiful gate. And I feel this is really relevant for you. It's relevant for now. And, um, and I just think that God just wants to give you a few little words to hold on to as you embark on movement, which involves, therefore, generosity in many ways. I'm just going to read this out from Acts 3, um, chapter, chapter 3, verse 1. 
Peter and John went to the temple one afternoon to take part in the three o'clock prayer service. As they approached the temple, a man lame from birth was being carried in. Each day he was put aside the temple gate, the one called Beautiful Gate, so he could beg from the people going into the temple. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for some money. Peter and John looked at him intently and Peter said, look at us. The lame man looked at them eagerly, expecting some money. But Peter said, I don't have any silver or gold for you, but I'll give you what I have. In the name of Jesus Christ, get up and walk. Then Peter took the lame man by the right hand and helped him up. And as he did, the man's feet and ankles were instantly healed and strengthened. He jumped up, stood on his feet and began to walk. Then walking, leaping and praising God, he went into the temple with them. All the people saw him walking and heard him praising God. And when they realized he was the lame beggar they had seen so often at the beautiful gate, they were absolutely astounded. They all rushed out in amazement to Solomon's colonnade, and the man was holding tightly to Peter and John. Peter saw this opportunity and addressed the crowd. You know, the... um, This passage, many people, they read it, and we focus in on the miracle of what happened to the man. And and the miracle's wonderful. We want to see those things. We do see those things. We believe that God is a God of miracles, science, and wonders. But actually, often when we, we read the big picture moment in certain passages of the Bible, we miss the small detail that is essential for movement. And actually, in this moment, there is a line that is the most powerful line of the whole lot. What I, what I have, I'll give to you. What I have, I'll give to you. I can imagine this man going to the beautiful gate. It was called the beautiful gate because it was, it was splendor. It was majestic. It was big. It was built with wealth. It was a stunning feature of the walls. It, no one could miss it. It was something that was talked about. It was built by a guy that was not of the city, and even his bones were buried under the gate. This place was known. And so when people would arrive, they would go through these gates because they were the gates to go through. You know, it was a busy place. And I can imagine this beggar thinking, when Peter turns around to stop him, his first thought is like, brilliant, someone's going to give me some money. And I could imagine the man's reaction when Peter says, I don't have any. I could imagine the man sort of looking around, who's coming up the pathway next? And he says, but what I do have, I'll give to you. And I want to talk to you about the essence of generosity. I don't know, I didn't know anything of what's going on here until I arrived on Friday. And, um, and I'm not going to talk about what you're doing and shifting into, but I want to talk about a culture that's going to carry you into the next season of Porter Down. Now, when I was praying this morning, Chris, I saw you, which, you know, I, it was a picture of you, stunning, and um, and I've seen I've seen more beautiful pictures in my life, but it was you, <laughs> and um, and I just felt the Lord say to me, tell Chris that the times that he's been dreaming for are now at hand, and I saw you praying. Before you ever, when you were leading Vineyard, I saw you hoping and having incredible ambition for the kingdom and feeling like you were not getting anywhere. And there were times where you were just choked up and you even thought, maybe I'm not a pastor. Maybe I'm not a leader. Maybe I'm not the guy that can do this. Why do I carry such a hope and I'm not really seeing it happen? And the Lord said, tell Chris, the time is now. 
Do you, is that okay? All right, so stand up. All right, and why don't we all stand up quickly and reach our hands out to Chris. Some of you are closer to him. Why don't you give him a cuddle? You know, because God moves in cuddles. That's right. There you go. He doesn't, it's not smelly. He's had a shower. <laughs> Let's just ask the Lord to do his word, yeah, because, you know, it's going to affect you as well, yes? Okay, so Father, we pray over Chris right now and we release that word that the time that you've set in his heart and in those dreams and ambitions, we say they are now. Lord, we speak your word and we say the time is at hand. We pray the dreams that have been buried in history will be now revealed again. Those ambitions for the high streets and communities will be released. Neighborhoods will be turned towards Christ. They'll be released. The sick shall be healed. Even the dead will rise. The miraculous, the signs, the wonders, they are to be happening now. For we say the time is at hand now. And we bless you, Chris. We cheer you on. We say thank you. Yes and amen. We even pray the Lord to make you a little better looking. And everyone said amen. Okay. His wife, yes. <laughs> yes. Well, I'm going to be really quick because we're going to pray for each other this morning. I'm going to do this in 15, I reckon. All right, listen, so I'm just going to bang some stuff out and we're going to go with it. Is that okay? Yeah? Turn around to the person next to you and go, oh, dear God, it's one of those guys from Margate. Okay. I'll give you what I have. And listen, this, this passage isn't about your money, though, you know, whatever God does, it costs us everything. It's spiritual, it's physical, it's emotional, it's financial, it's everything. It's the spare rooms in our homes, it's the spare spaces in our cars, it's the extra bag of shopping that you buy in the supermarket, it's the money that we give month in, month out, it's those special offerings, those special moments, it's those few hours you will give to empty out your living room of your faith. Some of you are like, oh, I'm not going to go and do that. Don't be stupid. This is your spiritual house. You get in there, you clear the house, you load the van, you go home and have a beer on the way if that's your way inclined or if not a cup of tea. But my point is, this is your home. This is your beautiful gate. And it's yours. It's your part of the puzzle. It's your part of the tapestry. It's your thread that makes the kingdom look glorious in Northern Ireland. It's your part of the thread that we brag about and tell stories about. And you are important in this. But this story of the beautiful gate is the essence of generosity. It's not about what you don't have. It's about what you do with what you do have. It's about what you do with your story. It's about what you do with your encounters, your answers to prayer. It's about what you do with your learning and your development and your growth. So some of you, you'll be like of a more traditional kind of perspective of faith. Tradition is great, but tradition is about history. And the Lord calls you into the future. He calls you into the destiny of his plans and purposes. If we live just in tradition, this is the problem. Our society is steeped in tradition and it hasn't evolved much and it hasn't encountered enough of the hope of Jesus. This involves everything to do with you and also to do with me. The essence of generosity is that it's founded in the basis of love. There's this beautiful line in scripture that says, Therefore be generous in love. Now, the non-generous people love this verse because they say being generous in love means it doesn't affect anything else in my life. I'm just going to be really nice to you. And it's, that's rubbish, you know, like, you know, strangers are nice to you, to be fair. Generous in love is actually read Corinthians 13. 
It's generous in forgiveness, generous in hope, generous in helping someone else. It's ambitious for someone else's prosperity. It's generous on all the layers and the tears of life. It's wanting more for others than yourselves. And you are prepared to be generous with whatever you have to help make that a reality. To give it all away for the benefit of someone else just sounds wrong, doesn't it? But we live in an upside-down kingdom. But a saviour who is the redeemer of the world, it sounds absolutely wrong that he would have to hang on a cross and die and then come back to life to display his full power. I mean, at any point, Jesus could have just called thousands upon thousands of angels or hundreds of thousands, however many you might imagine, and just do the stuff that needed to be done. No, no, no. He did the most generous act. It affects every fibre of our lives. When I gave my life to Christ, it's like, Lord Jesus, I give you my life. I couldn't compartmentalize it, not departments or sections. I'll give you Monday and Wednesday. I'll give you some of my heart. I'll give you a little bit of my living room. I'll give a little bit of friendship, the whole thing. In fact, those that try and hold on to their life, what does it say? They'll lose it. And when you try to live a faith or an adventure or a mission and mandate from God and you hold on to parts of it, it's actually incredibly complicated and painful and full of being awkward. You know those moments when you're in, like this, we're invited to clear a room out. And of course, it's easy for me to say it because I won't be here. But we have our own rooms to clear out, to be fair. And I'm there with our own guys doing the things we have to do. But that moment of like, if you're not fully bought in, if you're not fully sold out for the king and then the kingdom, these moments are awkward because you're like, how do I avoid being involved and no one noticing? We spend so much effort trying not to be seen, not being generous. Get over yourself. Get over myself. Just get in and get on. John Wimber said famously, the way in is the way on. The closer we get to the Lord, the further we will feel compelled to walk. Being generous in love is selfless and it promotes the best of others. And most of all, it's wanting the best for other people. And you want the best for Porter Down, do you not? Which means that the Lord's going to go, well, I'll invite you to get that and to have that and to live that. But it requires you to sow that very thing of yourself into that. We say, Lord, we want to see you heal the sick. And he's like, then go on then. Go pray for them. Oh, no, no, we'll leave that to Al. It will take forever anyway. Like, Al prays such long prayers. You know, they'll die before they get healed. <laughs> I can joke about Al because we're friends, okay? So, and he will joke about me. And the other day I put this post about what God's been doing in Lurgan. And I called God Hod because of autocorrect. And in my modern day position, like when you post the word hod, the world responds with great fun and humor and mocking. So I get my own fair share of being laughed at. Point is, though, what's the point of having a culture of believing that God heals, but you won't prepare to pray those prayers yourselves? And risk that it might not happen in front of you, but believing enough to know that, but I know that God does. Some of the most famous healing ministries you'll ever read about are always preceded with seasons, years, where they prayed for so many sick people and nothing happened, and then heaven dropped. But it required the person to be part of it. It's really simple. 
Generosity is beyond ourselves. It's lavish. It's bountiful. It's plentiful. It's the best and the most of what you can give out of who you are, whether that is in love and in kindness or in prayer or the things that we have. But whatever it is to have the attitude of like, I want to lavish what I have upon you. Last night we went for uh, around to Rick's for dinner and it was great. And I remembered that the kids like Cadbury's cream eggs. Now my children are like 16 and 18, so I've got no, I've got no problems, really. They're teenagers. I've got plenty of headaches. But I don't worry about people giving them sugar or anything like that. And I've received my fair share of parenting where friends have come around and given them buckets of Haribo. And, and so I went into a garage last night and on the counter were Cadbury's cream eggs. And I just thought, oh, we must buy the kids some Cadbury's cream eggs. So I bought all 55 of them. And the guy looked at me and he's like, you want them all? And I'm like, yeah, all of them. And he was like counting them out like, one, two, three. <laughs> just coming and I'm like, just, just do me a deal on the box, you know. And, I, and then I come into the house and I, I just gave, I didn't give them to the parents. I just said, here, kids, <laughs> go play, run, eat sugar, be merry, be joyful, be hyper, <laughs> be wild for Jesus on sugar. Lavish, bountiful. You know, go big, go beautiful. Generosity is being generous in a spiritual attitude of heart. Silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give to you in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. Whatever you are looking at, whatever is in front of you, that you can make a difference of the kingdom with. That has got to be your attitude. Whatever I have that can make that difference, I give it to you in the name of Jesus. Whether that is a prayer of the supernatural or an act of justice, a relief of poverty, whatever it is, the Lord is calling you to do this. We live in an area that's classed as one of the highest deprived areas of the United Kingdom. But we're surrounded by marinas, beautiful sea, beaches. It's a stunning place to live. But when you walk literally a fifth of a mile into the towns, it's desolation. And what is the solution to deprivation? Generosity. You know, we can pray for, pray for that to turn around. No, we've got to live it out. We've got to behave like the king in the kingdom. We've got to be the light in those dark places by doing the opposite that the enemy has impl implemented in our areas. Even being in this space, you have made a statement of like, you may say, society, the world, the government may say that the high streets are dead, but you're like, but we will plant life in town centers that will affect communities. That's exactly what you're doing. I'm inspired in here, honestly. As I pulled in the car park, I said to my own guys that helped lead Glow and been part of the journey forever, they'll tell you if I'm lying. And that's why they're here. They're just like, you know, liar. <laughs> liar! <laughs> and and um, if you've ever watched The Life of Brian, the odd, he's not the Messiah. Anyway, um, don't watch The Life of Brian, clearly. Um, it is funny, though. Moving on. <laughs> dig, dig, dig. Yes, even I think, how on earth do I lead 24-7 prayer? Absolutely. Um, they know this is the truth is that you have to look at spaces like this and, and you cannot not be inspired of like what you could do in a place where people are moving out and you're moving in. You know that verse and God moved into the neighborhood out of the message. That's what you are. That's what you do. It's incredible. It's amazing. But there's more. But the problem with more, it's going to cost you more. 
Generosity is totally connected with that simple line. What I do have, I give. That is the true offering. It connects to the widow's might. And it connects to those that have plenty. We have seasons of life where we have little or plenty. In a normal family rhythm, you know, there are seasons when the kids are younger and they're growing up. Of course, our bank accounts feel less kind of fruitful. And the, the month end is harder to reach. But we still choose to be generous in those times and to prioritize, right? But then there's seasons when more can flourish and moments happen. And you, like, you have to choose to be even more generous in those times to recalibrate. That's why Paul teaches to give out of what you have, revise, review, think, but not just money, everything. When you have more time on your hands, that time is valuable. I was with a guy in America recently. They lead this incredible foundation, and they, over the last 10 years, gave 24-7 prayer a million dollars. And he said to me, um, I realize that we don't have a culture of prayer right at the heart of what we are. So I've, I've employed intercessors. And initially, I was like, well, we're paying people to pray. That's that's interesting. And he said, I'm not, and he went, I'm not paying people to pray. I'm buying their time to release them to pray. And I was like, wow, that's good. I wanted to work for him. And <laughs> yes, Lord. <laughs> Just, <laughs> the reality is if you've got time, it's a precious commodity. If you've got that empty van that can move stuff, it's a precious commodity. If you've got the ability to cook, to talk, to sing, to serve, to care, to listen, to pray, to be, it's all a precious commodity. Or you can give without being generous. That is possible. Where you give out of routine and religiosity. It's a legalistic thing. You do it without even thinking about it. It's just what we do. That's not generosity. That's just doing what you're well able to do. And it's like, no, 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 let's stretch the canvas a bit. Where It's got, feel that stretch, that tension. It's kind of like meeting this carnal expectation of like, if I do my bit, everyone will leave me alone. I've been seen to do the right thing, which is no different to the rich man next to the widow putting in his offering out of his plenty. And then the widow comes with the two coins. It's everything she's got and she puts it in. And she, and she walks away and she puts it in, not in fear, but in confidence that if I honor and obey the Lord with the things that are mine, he will take care of me. There was nothing religious about her offering. Why am I giving you this passage? Because you are a beautiful gate. You are a bold, extravagant expression of love discovered in the person of Jesus to be given away. When Jesus went to be with the Father and he's chilling with him right now, praying on our behalf. He's interceding for you right now. Isn't that amazing? And yet he said, um, he didn't say, go and build a nice house and hang out together till I come back. He said, go and make disciples. Go and make a mess. Go and increase. Go and expand. Go and influence. And by the way, he said that to everybody. I have people say like, you know, I don't, I don't do the evangelism thing because those guys are really good at it. No, 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 no. The ones that are really good at it should help us be better. But we all have a story. We all have a prayer that's been answered. We've all had an encounter. 
last Sunday we had baptisms and I stood um, watching this story of this lady where she stands up and the week before she said, I can't get up and do an interview. I want, I'll be baptized, but I cannot be interviewed. And I'm like, I don't, I'm like, I don't care, you know, just get wet, girl. She's got to get in that bucket and out again, you know, and just do the deed. And yet that Sunday she stood there on the stage in front of 300 people, and this is what she said. She said, my fiancé came back to church, and the transformation was so remarkable, I had to come and see for myself. And she's standing there about to be baptized, and I just got so choked up. And then the responsibility for her is to tell that story again and to share that and bring someone else home to be the difference. And in the same day, she posted something on Facebook was as explicit and as wrong as you could imagine. And I'm like, this is the mess of the gospel. And that is what you're part of. That is what I'm part of. Qualified? Of course you're not. Good at it? Okay. Skilled craftsmen of building church? None of us are. Brave, courageous, willing to try Yes. So we're going to pray for you somehow. And this is what I want to pray. I genuinely want to pray the prayer that I pray. I've prayed this for years and I've prayed it here before that the Lord would do something more with you than we could pray for home. And we're going to lay hands on you really quickly. And I've asked the guys, I just want you to pray for everyone in this room. We're going to just give our best prayer and say, Lord, make us jealous of what you're going to do here. Release the spirit of generosity in this room like it's never been seen before. That's not me saying you're not generous because you are. By being here, you're generous. But it's saying there's more. Because if this is it, let's be honest, if this is it, what a waste of time. There's got to be more. There's got to be more. And I want to live for that possibility. And then when we get to heaven... And we get to sit at that beautiful banquet table. Of, and I say this all the time, probably next to a person you don't like very much. And you're going to be sat there forever with them. And you're going to learn to be generous in love. <laughs> we're going to look down that table and we're going to see people that we just are just stunned and amazed. That they found themselves sat at the same table because of what you did. Of what you said. Of what you shared and what you lived. Because you created a beautiful gate for people to come into the real temple. Is that good? That's what I want. And if it's wrong and we get it wrong, then we can get to Jesus and say, at least we tried. And that's the best we can do. So I don't know if the worship team can come up, if that's okay. And um, Because obviously God only moves when we play music. <laughs> it just sounds good. No, it's good. It does create an atmosphere. It's thin places. And, um, and this is just really simple. I, I'm not going to impose anything. I'm going to just invite. If you're like, actually, I just want someone to lay hands on me and just release a new spirit of generosity and all that comes with it, then um, you just come here and we're just going to lay hands on you and you walk away so we can pray for the next person. Is that all right? Really simple. And if you're like, oh, I don't know about that laying hands on thing. Look, they've had a shower. They've washed their hands and, you know, it's fine. The actual Bible says to lay hands on one another. That's what it says. And, um, and you know, it's an, it's an okay thing to do. And if you don't want to, don't worry about it. Stay where you are and just say, Lord, shabba me right here. He's big enough to do his thing. Is that okay? Well, let's stand to our feet if we can.
And before I invite you to just come and get some prayer, close your eyes for a moment. And this is the reason there's nothing super spiritual. Just shut out the person to the left of you and to the right of you. Just, just have a moment where it's you and God. Someone else can't receive your blessing for you. Someone else can't receive your conviction for you. You receive your transaction with the Lord. He's got great plans for you. And just ask the Lord in your own way. Say, Lord, count me in. That's me. I'm in. Come and do some transaction with me. Give him permission yourself. And I'm going to pray. And then as soon as I've said amen, if you're like, yep, I want to be prayed for, just come down. We're going to literally pray for you for a few seconds and then go back to wherever it is you've sat or whatever it is you have to do. Lord, I pray very simply in this public space, this center point of community, your kingdom come. Your full, complete will be done in this place, in this church, in this community, as you have intended it in heaven. Lord, I pray that as we turn to you, as we respond to you, that you would transact with us something of your presence, something of your spirit, exchange with us, that we would not leave this room the same. Lord, I don't want to sensationalize it or make it anything it's not. But I know that when we turn to you, you commune with us and you connect with us and you transform us. And that's what I pray in this place today. I pray, Lord, that when I am back here, that I would be overwhelmed at the impact of generosity and the gathering of many. In Jesus' name. Amen. If you want prayer, just come forward. We're going to pray for you now.